0: Independence Day and celebrate the birth of our country and thank God for that, but I want to celebrate Jesus. I never want to celebrate anything more than Jesus, amen? Romans chapter 6, Romans chapter 6. I'd like to read the whole chapter, but um, I know that um, I can't, so I had to kind of break in this a little bit. Romans chapter 6 verse 12, as you're turning there, as we kind of get started here and we read our text, I want to tell you something I've learned more and more throughout my life, my Christian life, and I've been told this, and some things we are told and we know, but I guess... There comes a time, when maybe I don't know if we've got to grow as Christians, or some things we just have to experience, but I guess maybe a little bit of both. And I'm starting to understand, a lot of times, the choices we make so affect the choices we make. Amen. Um, if you make choices to make provision for your flesh and allow sin, just a little part of it, to enter in your life, you will then start to choose sin, it'll become okay. So Romans chapter 6, verse 12. Everybody there? Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that he should obey in the lust thereof. Neither (laughs) Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God." For sin shall not have dominion over you. Fear not under the law, but under grace. What then shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know we not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, rather of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which has delivered you. Been then made free from sin, he became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the man of men, because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity and to iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. Amen. Notice the wording there. Iniquity just breeds iniquity. It cannot breed anything else. Sin breeds sin. It will never change. Will never breed anything else. But notice the end of that verse. You are your servants to righteousness unto holiness. Righteousness will breed holiness in your life. What fruit had he then in these things wherever you are now shamed? For the end of these things is death. But now being made free from sin, he became servants to God. You have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. Thank God for that. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for this day that you've given us. Lord, for this time together, for this opportunity that we have to call on you. And God, for the uh, availability of your Bible. God, that we have the privilege and the honor to open this Bible, God, and hear what thus saith the word of God. Lord, I thank you and I praise you for the opportunity to read and hear your word. Thank you for the ability to read and hear your word because, God, there's a lot of people that will never do that. Uh, Lord, we pray this morning, Holy Spirit, that you give me the words needed. It's you that I want people to hear, God. I want people to leave saying, what a God. I want people to be refreshed and renewed in you, Jesus, and looking to you. We thank you and we praise you. Now, use me, God, just for these few minutes as you see fit. Empty me myself, Lord, and fill me with your power, God. And we thank you and we praise you. In Lord Jesus Christ's name we pray. And amen. amen. I know uh, it almost sounds like Paul is repeating himself as under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit he was writing these verses about how we yield ourselves to certain things, to sin, or yield ourselves to righteousness. Basically, we're going to obey our flesh, our desires, our fleshly desires. We're going to obey God, one of the two. Uh, you can't have both masters. Uh, Now, as a little bit of an opening way of introduction, illustration, uh, all of us yield to some things or someone at times. If you pull out of your driveway and you're driving or riding in a car, the person that's driving or if you're driving, you're going to yield to other cars somewhere along the way. Uh, You don't necessarily have to see a yield sign to do that. Uh, An example, if you drive out Farrell Road, uh, someone was talking the other day and said that they almost got to the point they're afraid to drive out Fair Road because uh, people are driving on, on the whole road. They're on their side of the road and they're uh, kind of driving recklessly and fast. And they said, it's almost to the point, I'm most afraid to drive out Fair Road. So if you're going to drive down a road without a yellow stripe in the middle, you're going to yield to somebody or you're going to get hit head on. Uh, I don't want to get hit head on. Uh, in our life, we make habits. Of how we drive and how we live. And a lot of times those interact, right, don't they? Uh, our habits of how we live are formed. We yield ourselves to certain habits and sins in our life that becomes acceptable to us in our everyday lives. And oftentimes we replace sin with other titles. We like to call sin other things besides what it is. Sin is sin. And a lot of times in our life, we don't want to call sin, sin. We want to name it other things. Uh, we have, uh, the other day I heard, I saw a solid guy on YouTube preaching a message. Uh, he didn't look like somebody that I would normally take the time to listen to, but he was certainly preaching truth. And uh, so I listened to him and he, he named things that we no longer call sin. We call it uh, uh, an adult relationship or, or intimacy or something. It's called fortification and adultery is what the Bible calls it. Um, uh, and we can name a lot of things like that uh, that uh, the Bible calls sin and it's still sin and a lot of times we like to call it other things so it doesn't seem so bad and we can kind of gloss over it and sometimes me as well uh, sometimes gossip, anger, strife, envy, bitterness and I can go on and on and on about things that we do not call sin we call it something else so it's easier to change. It's easier to yield to that sin. What we don't realize by doing this, we also allow Satan to get an advantage of us. You know, the Bible tells us, at Satan get an advantage of you. It gives you a warning. Uh, the Bible explains that to us. And sometimes you know, we do that, and then what happens is Satan sets up a stronghold in our mind over something that we have yielded to, and we give uh, a place to that, and therefore it takes uh, more effort then to get that out of our mind and to see that as sin and to resist it. So what happens is, because of that, reading what the Bible says, you just go along with what I just read to you, uh, we become servants to thoughts, to emotions, and oftentimes those thoughts and emotions are sins in our life. Is everybody with me this morning? Okay, a lot of distractions going on. So hopefully, um, but we, we see in our minds sometimes and in our lives, if we will stop and look at ourselves and stop and look at what the Bible says about us, we will see and understand that there are strongholds in our minds. The Bible talks about this, where we have yielded ourselves to sin and that sin takes right away in our lives and when God comes along and tells us to do something, we cannot hear him or see him because the sin has so much reign in our lives. The sin is what's dominating. Now, I'm gonna name you a few that I got a little bottle of water here I need to get just a quick drink of. and give you just a little bit more introduction then we'll get into the message and I'll try to get you out of here shortly. Some things that I think we struggle with that we don't want to realize is self-motivation. We don't worry about what God wants or thinks because we're motivated for self. We don't worry about what is best for the church or what maybe is best for this or that or what it may be because we're self-motivated, we're self-centeredness, we have a lot of self-centeredness about what we want, what we desire, what we think, it doesn't matter what the Holy Spirit is leading, it doesn't matter what God thinks, sometimes the path God will lead you on is not the one you want to go on, it's not about you (laughs) or me for that matter. Uh, we oftentimes struggle with bitterness, bitterness and anger. And where somebody that's hurt our feelings can get a hold of us in our minds and in our hearts, and then that grows and that, and that festers. Uh, I know you can take a piece of mold somewhere and find a little bit of mold and let just a little bit more moisture, a little bit more light, a little bit more life hit that mold and it spreads. That's the same thing sin does in your life and my life if we're not careful, if we yield ourselves to it. Uh, we also have a struggle with sin called laziness and spiritual matters. A lot of us will put forth a strong effort to get a lot of things accomplished, but when it comes to getting something accomplished for God, man, I tell you what, we hit the lazy button, don't we? That's called sin, by the way. You know, you and I will be held accountable for things we don't do for God that we should have. And so on and so on. I can name so much more, but I, for the sake of time and you're listening, we need to move on. <laughs> when Oftentimes when we hear the word lust, we talk about this in Sunday school class, we always think of it as sensual. Well, it's, lust goes so much deeper than that. Yes, that is true. It is, definitely falls in that area. But we lust after so many other things. And the things I just said to you are things sometimes we lust after. Sometimes we lust after revenge. Sometimes we lust after getting someone to see their just due. You know, the Bible tells us in Proverbs not to rejoice when someone gets their just due. Because God will turn around and say, well, let me see how well you handle it. And the Bible tells us not to do these things. So we lust after emotions sometimes because we desire certain things. It could be anything. And Satan wants us to keep focused sometimes, I think especially when it comes to lust, that it's just sensible rather than so many other things so we don't recognize some things as sin in our lives. He pushes that. So, he wants to rule and reign in our bodies, and the lust and the sin does. So, we must see sins as sin and attack them with the Word of God. Nothing else will work. We must learn to see sin like God does. It's not enough to disagree with it, we must act upon it. So, this morning, I want to preach you just for a few minutes the right of way. You're going to yield to the right of way either to sin or righteousness, one of the two. The Bible tells us, in Matthew, you cannot serve God and mammon. And mammon, there have been money. You cannot serve God and this world. You're going to serve one or the other. There's not enough room for both of them. And you're either you're serving God or you're serving self, is another way of putting it. Notice what the Bible says here. And I'm going to read some of these verses to you again. He said in verse 12, Let not reign in your mortal body. I thought it was amazing that the Bible used these two words, let not sin therefore reign. The word reign means to rule. Literally or figuratively, to be king, to reign. Do you realize that you as a Christian and me as a Christian can allow ourselves to be yielded to certain sins to the point that they will rule and reign our lives? The word God doesn't have say so. That as a sin grows, what used to be sin to you, what used to bother you, what used to affect you, no longer bothers you. And it gets worse and it gets worse to the point that your sin is getting to the place, and you are getting to the place as a Christian and doing things that you never thought you would ever do. As long as you're in this place, you're capable of doing anything. There's a young man. I'm not going to say where he went to church, I'm not going to say much uh, on that. But he was in a church, he was doing good, he was growing. He was a teenage boy. He was about 18, 17. He was preaching. God was using him. And I mean, people said, man, this kid's going to be something for God. He got out of church. Just a year or two later, he was at a party and him and a young girl uh, uh, was alone and she claimed it was rape. He claimed it wasn't. But now the boy went to jail. He ended up in prison because of one bad decision one night. His life destroyed. You see, sin can get a hold of you and reign in your life and drag you a lot further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay and cost you more than you want to pay. As the brother mentioned this morning in the Sunday school class, sin does not play fair. So it'll rain. Notice the word mortal. He said, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. The word mortal here, you could kind of say it is relating to our flesh, our life. When we say our flesh, your own nature, but it's a weakness Your mortal body is a weakness. It's dying. It's a body that is unredeemed. When you and I are born again, God does not redeem our bodies. Not on this earth. That's why we have, that's why there's a body there in a casket. That's why there's a shell of a body left behind. This flesh is dying. It's decayed. That's why you need to take a shower every day of your life. That's why your teeth needs to be brushed at least once or twice a day. Yeah. And it don't hurt to put on a little smelling sauce every now and then. I better move on. Amen. That's right. You know, it's the tendency of our bodies to sin. It's natural for us. Right. It's natural for me to desire sin because that's my nature. Right. Yep. My old nature, not my new nature. Right. So now, let me preach to you just a few things. Now, I read all this. Normally, I would read down this and take my text and and go through it. But for sake of time, I'm just going to kind of hit the points here and we're going to move on. Now, I'm going to read a couple more verses, so don't get plumb comfortable. He says in verse 13, he says, Neither yield you your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, You see, our members are our eyes, our ears, our tongue, my mind, my hands, my feet. He's saying if you yield yourself, your members to unrighteousness, to sin, that's what's going to happen. As I gave you the illustration when I started, you come to a certain intersection at times, and you or that other car has to give. There's times in your life when you and another strong-headed person meet on a subject. Somebody has to give or a fight's getting ready to ensue. Somebody's got to yield. As a Christian, most of the time, I'd say it's safe to say, I know who's supposed to yield. That doesn't mean you got to let the world run over you. doesn't mean when someone's standing in front of you and they're spewing out lies that you uh, yield to them. You take the truth of God, but you yield in a sense that your demeanor is not mean and attacking. But you must yield to something and as Satan comes along as this mortal body in its weakness and in its dying, decaying state wants to acquire sin, desire sin and desire God, you are not to allow your body to rule and reign and sin reign in your life because it will become your master. But yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead And your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So number one, only God can rule. As I've already said, you can uh, can only have, you cannot have two masters. You're going to have one. You're going to love and shun the other. You're going to hate the one and love the other. Hey, you're only going to obey one or the other. You know, uh, only God can redeem as well. He's the only one that can redeem you back out of sin. Nobody else can do that. Uh, He's the only one that can be reasonable. You know, sin's not reasonable at all. It cannot be and it will not be. It's rude. It doesn't allow for company. It doesn't ask for permission. That's one thing I'm amazed about God. He's such a he won't bust into your life and rip you to shreds but sin won't ask for permission he'll kick the the devil and sin will kick the door open of your life it'll come in, set up shop take over and roll and rain in your life for nothing but destruction and he won't ask permission one time and you and I as a Christian need to realize that God's got so much better, so much more than what this world can offer, what sin can offer, if we'd only let him rule, only God can rule in your life. Amen. There's not room for two of them. So number two, let me read a couple more verses. He said, for sin should not have dominion over you. For you're not under the law, but under grace. Thank God for that. You realize if we run the law, every one of us would have brought an animal with us this morning. Bad! Did you hear all these sheep, after and goats, and carrying on? That would have been our that would have been our service, and the blood would have poured. Verse fifteen, he says, "What then shall we sin? Because we're under the law, but under grace, God forbid." Knowing not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, rather of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Number two, only God can be rewarding. You know, I preached a message a few times. Usually it's at, at, at camps or something. I might preach it this year at church camp. I don't know. But the pain of sin will never change. It's not going to. Sin that hurt last week is not going to suddenly not hurt next week. If it hurt 2,000 years ago, it's going to hurt today. Sin will always hurt. It will always bring death. It will always bring pain. No matter how Satan colors it up, no matter how in your mind the fantasy may paint it up, point it out that looks so good and so great in the end it always brings death, It only the reward it can give you is death and hurt and destruction God can reward you with so much more, do you know that sin may seem like a great thing for a very short time but then brings hurt and pain. Satan will get in your ear. He'll get you to sin. He'll get you to, to look how good and colorful that sin is and how wonderful it would be to experience this or experience that. Then he'll turn right around as soon as that act is committed and say, now look at yourself. You call yourself a Christian. Now look at the pain you got to suffer. Now look at the hurt you've got. The very person that got you to commit that sin is the very one that will turn around and shove your nose right in it and say, look at yourself. God's going to be mad at you. God's upset at you. Look at the hurt and the heartache you got now. And He'll sit there and get on you and ride all over you. You see, sin will reign in your life if you allow it. Right. You must not yield to sin. We must yield to God. We must do things God's way. We must call sin, sin, and call God, God. No matter how self-righteous, no matter how self-centered, no matter how self-motivated you may be, no matter how much you may struggle with something, it's time you and I get a hold of God and get a hold of the word of God and grab the altar by the horns and say, God, I need you and I trust you and I'm looking to you. I need help, Lord. Yes. And get in His Word and stay there till you get the deliverance you need from something. And then it will come back. But go back to the Word. Stay to the Word. Stay to the stuff. Yield to God, not to the sin, because there's only death and heartache and pain. Amen. That's the only reward you ever get from sin. Number three. Let me read a couple more verses. He says in verse 17 But God be thanked that you're not. You were the servants of sin. Notice he said you were. You no longer are. Amen. But you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Been then made free from sin, He became the servants of righteousness. Thank God for that. Amen. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. What he's saying, the weakness of your flesh. For he have yielded your members' servants to uncleanliness and to iniquity and to iniquity. Even sin now yield your members servants to righteousness and to holiness, for even the servants of sin who are free from righteousness. Number three, only God can be refreshing. Amen. You know one thing I've learned about sin in my life is it might seem great on the initial onset. One of the let me give you a little medical. Side of sin. In your brain, produces chemicals, and you have in your brain what's called ephedrons. Do you know that one of the hardest things about drug addicts to get off of drugs, one of the reasons why, is because it overloads certain drugs, the ephedorin in your brain, and it produces a large amount of those chemicals. And so that is actually what some people become addicted to. One of the hardest things about porn addiction for people to break is it overloads that brain with ephedorin to the point that they feel, that's the pleasure center of your brain. That's what makes you feel good. That's what makes you feel excited. And oftentimes, sin will give you a shot of adrenaline and to and so you learn to enjoy that little shot, that little joke, and that's what brings that. And so, that is how sin works in our lives. That's how addiction works. And so, we get a little shot of that ephedorn or that, that pleasure in your brain. And, and who do you think knows this? You think Satan's not aware of this? Sure, he is. He's very well aware of it. And so he uses these sins in your life to do that. Here's the problem. And one of the hardest things is the first initial onset of a new sin in your life is there is an overload of that and then people spend the rest of their life trying to regain that first initial enjoyment. Whatever it may be. The problem is it'll never return. It gets older And older and older. People trying to find that first high. People trying to find that first thrill. That first jolt, and they never can, and they replace it with this, and replace it with that, and people, everything under the sun, to try to find that initial high. But only God, hey, God never grows old, God never runs dry. He's renewing, He's refreshing, He's rewarding. He's the only one that can, only thing that can turn a bad good. He can make the the sun shine on a dark day. And I've never found when i went to God that it wasn't, it wasn't the same old process. It was always renewing, always. refreshing Refreshing, always so rewarding. I've never went to God and said, This is boring, this is old. Every time I go to God, it's so much greater than the last. Yeah. You all have heard me tell this story different times, and I'll say this and move on. Uh, back when I was working out of the pipe fitter's hall, and I uh, unfortunately got to hear a lot of conversations I did not care for at lunchtime, I got to the point where I put my earbuds in at lunch so I don't have to listen to all that nonsense. They were going on one day talking about going out drinking a swarp and swarping. They said, hey, Craig, what's a good night of testifying like? <laughs> and they thought, and I said, well, boys, I'll tell you this. I said, you're drinking a swarp and swarping will leave you empty than me. I said, when I go to God, I said, I come away feeling refreshed and renewed and satisfied, but yet one more. I said, your booze won't do that. I said, I've been where you're at. And one of them turned around and said, you got us there. I said, I know I do. I said, you wake up in the morning with a headache and hung over, feeling empty. I said, I'll wake up feeling refreshed and renewed and satisfied one more. I said, only God can do that. Yeah. Only God can do that. Amen. What do you think people OD for? They're trying to reach that utopia that they discovered one time. And they never can. They go to extremes trying to reach some kind of satisfaction to get out of the, the hurt and the pain of this life. Hey, I want to tell you something. There's times I want the hurt and pain out of this life as well. But I know I've got a hope beyond this world. i got something to live for. i got somebody that lives in me. And every day He renews me. He refreshes me. I turn to that Bible. This holy, beloved Bible. And I look to God and I say, God, I need some refreshing. I need some renewing. And I turn to His Word. And as long as I'm willing to go there, He's willing to meet me. Do I feel His presence every time I read it? No, I don't. Do I feel goosebumps? No, I don't. But my mind is renewed. My spirit is refreshed. And I've got something to live on to sink my teeth into that will always bring reward. It will never bring pain. heartache. thank God I've got Jesus. He's the one I need. He's the one you need. Yield yourselves to Jesus. Not the sin of this world. And I'm trying to move on I've said this a few times. This is kind of a little funny. Uh, forgive me for being a fan of college sports. It's getting ruined somewhat, but I still like it. Believe it or not, I went to a little bit of college. I know it's hard to believe. I've yet to find a college that offers a course in drug addiction and alcoholism and porn addiction. Now, let me, let me finish, brother. I've yet to find anybody that offers a course in how to be a drug addict, in how to be an alcoholic, a porn addict, whatever addiction you want to put there. Some of you look at me like you're confused. Why are you confused? Should this is so popular? Should our colleges be offering degrees in drug addiction? I mean, everybody seems to want it, I guarantee you that it'll have a waiting if they offer this. How to be an alcoholic. I mean if the world's going crazy for it, why don't we have a college class on how there are college classes on how to brew your own alcohol. That's close. That's real close. You see the point I'm making, folks? The end of those things is death. I'm going to bring it down just a little bit lower and I'm going to give you my last point and we'll be done what about the emotions that you struggle with what about the hurts that somebody has said or done to you that you struggle with that you either A. won't let go or B. you just can't seem to let go what about that What about somebody that you don't like real well and something's said about them and you have an opportunity to kick them down a little bit lower and put yourself a little bit higher by repeating what you heard about them when you know you probably shouldn't? She's getting quiet. What about when somebody gets recognition in church and you don't? Is it about you? Do you really think you're that important? Seriously. You seriously think you matter that much. You might want to talk to God about that. Yes, exactly. What about when somebody gets asked to do something that you wanted to do? What about when perhaps uh, maybe I say something that I regret deeply and I never know I said anything to hurt you, but other people do? I've begged this church if I've said something to you to hurt you to come to me please don't go to other people bring it to me bring it to me I'm man enough to me and I'm wrong sometimes I've said things I so wished I wouldn't have said I've said things that have been better left unsaid I'm no better than anybody else here God's put me as the example in front of this church and I try to be what about the loved one that has so hurt you that you just can't get past? Do you not think that those kind of things, sins in our life, are affecting you? You may not be sticking a needle in your arm or between your toes. The reason that you stick it between your toes now is there's no track marks to be seen. You may not be chugging poison down your throat. What about these other things that you're struggling with? Are you finding a place in your life that you say, God, it's time I quit yielding to this and start yielding to you? The Bible says this, I may not like it, but this is what I got to do. You know one thing I've always found, brother? Without exception. If I do what the Bible tells me to do, it might hurt initially. I may not even like it sometimes. But it's never failed to come out better. When it's over with, there's a peace inside of me that passes all understanding. There's a love inside of me that I can't explain. There's patience with people that I used to hate. Hates a strong word. Dislike. There's love for people that I didn't care for. And, my, and, and there's life, not death. Sin always brings death. Always. Always. My last point, and I'm, I'm going to be done. I'm on, I don't know where I left off, but I know what I'm going to read right now. Verse 21, it says, What fruit had he then in those things whereof he are now ashamed? We should be ashamed of the sin that we used to be proud of. Or maybe not embarrassed of, for the end of these things is death. But now be made free from sin and become servants in God, he have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Lastly, number five four. Only God can give righteousness. And I've already said this, only God can rule, only God can be rewarding, only God can be refreshing, and only God can give righteousness. Do you know there's no other peace like the peace of obeying God that God can bring? Do you know, only he has the power to declare you righteous. Nobody else has that ability. I've said this before, and I'm, and I'm as I've said before, landing gears down, the runway's in sight, we're, we're, we're bringing her in. No other God has ever claimed to defeat death, hell, and the grave. Amen. Only Jesus Amen. can lay claim to those things. Amen. No other God can do that. Amen. No other idol, you can paint him how you want to. You can lift him up on high, however you want. You can, brat, you can say anything you want about any other God. He's the only God For sure. that lays claim to that. And you know why he did that? Because what I just read to you are mortal bodies. My na- I, I don't have a sin problem. That's, really, that's not my problem. I've got a nature problem. Right. Yeah. It's my nature. Right. I'm born with it. Right. I'm born with the desire for sin. Why do you think it's so popular? Yeah. One of the reasons people funnel poison down their throat, and I don't understand how someone can claim to be a Christian and, and drink and think it's okay. Let me move on. I'm meddling now, ain't I? You see, because of my mortal body was a sin nature. My spirit inside of me was dead right. because of the sin. Right. Sin killed me. It sins me. I came to an age, when I came old enough to an age to realize the law of God and I realized I broke the law of God and God said, because of that you are dead spiritually. Right. Jesus came to live a perfect sinless life Died on the cross as a payment for the penalty of our sin he took our penalty, our punishment he is the reason that you and I get a chance to go to God the only reason we get a chance to go to God and get things right, he is the reason, his righteousness that he gave when he died on that cross and he once he rose again the third day, God said that is proven that I accept the sacrifice, I accept the payment God said I'm satisfied that your sin debt has been paid. Now you have to come to me and believe in the finished work of Jesus on the cross of Calvary for your sins, that your sin debt was paid. If you'll come and confess you're a sinner to me that Jesus rose again the third day for you and believe in your heart that I rose Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And then the righteousness of Jesus is imputed to you and I. In other words, He... Explain that, preacher. I'm doing the best I can. Uh, He says he takes his righteousness and literally he quickens our bodies. He becomes alive inside of us that fast. The minute you believe Jesus Christ becomes real to you, you become his child. And thank God you have righteousness then and life everlasting. And only God can declare you righteous. Nobody else can do that. No pope, no Mary... uh, Mary Poppins or nobody else. Only God can do that. And because of that, I want to do my best to obey him in everything I do. I don't want to be self-centered. I don't want to be self-motivated. I want to be motivated by him. What God says goes. That's how it's supposed to be. So much of the time, You and I get ourselves in the way. We make so many decisions without ever asking God what he thinks. All the time. So let me ask you, for those of you that are sitting here this morning, two groups of people potentially sitting here this morning, lost and saved. I can't see your hearts. I don't know who's sitting here this morning and it's lost and I don't know who's saved. I hear your testimony. There's times my spirit bears witness with other people. So there's something going on there. There's sometimes my spirit doesn't bear witness with people that's in church. If you're sitting here this morning and you're not born again, you say preacher, what do you mean? If you don't know for sure right now that if you died, you would go to heaven. You're in danger of hell's fire. You're in danger of not being born again. Jesus wants to save you. He wants to help you. He wants to bring you home with Him. He wants to give you life everlasting and a peace that passes all understanding that you can't explain. That no drug, no high, no thrill can ever give. No boy or girl can ever give. Then Christian, let me ask you something. Is there something in your life that's got a hold of you that you can't let go? Is it an emotion? Is it anger? Is it bitterness? Is it envy? Is it rage? Is it revenge? Any of those things. Why don't you call it what it is and acknowledge God and agree with God and say, God, I've got sin in my life that I must confess and get it right with you. Because i Peaceful walk with you, O oh Lord. But more than that, or just as important, really, because you could be the reason somebody doesn't get saved by holding on to that. And again, if you're not sure you're born again, I invite you, come to softer, Go down here and pray and talk to Jesus. You say, what do I say? this?" ask Him to save you. That's what I did. Tell Him your heart. Really and truly, your first step is the step I believe you get saved because you're t- saying yes to Jesus right then. You're saying yes to Jesus. I'll take the Bible. I'll pray with you. I'll take it from the Bible. I'll show you more detail if you need it on what it means to be saved. But here's the catch. Everything I just preached, right of way, you have to yield to the right way. It takes action. It's not enough to believe it. That's good. Thank God you believe it. Create lost and save alike. You have to act on it. It's not enough to believe it. That, that's good. Thank God for it. But you've got to put it in action. As we stand, and get a song. Father, we thank you again for this time together and for this day that you've given us. God, I pray that I've delivered the best I can, God, what you've given me, Lord, to preach these people this morning. God, I don't know who needs to come and pray, who doesn't, but God, you do. Lord, most of all, I pray that if someone here that's lost and doesn't know you, that God, they'll slip out of their seat and they'll come to this altar and kneel down, God, and do business with you. God, will take the Bible and Lord, pray with them. But most of all, God, you'll meet with them. God, it's you. You're the one doing it. I'm not. I can't do anything. God, it's you. You're the ones that's got the belt. You're the one that's got the power. Draw all this morning, whoever needs to come to this altar. And for somebody here that's saved, God, and you're speaking to their heart, give them the courage to come to this altar. Put aside whatever may be a delay they've got or whatever it may be. God, help them to come and do business with you. And we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I mean, he's like, hey, come back to me, Greg. Amen. I mean that's how that's how powerful our God is. Amen. Amen. He's available if you'll just come to him. As we stand, we get a song.